And this is our very special spoiler review episode of Solo, A Star Wars Story. Yeah. So we have so both... if you haven't seen it and you don't want spoilers, don't listen to this episode. This is not for you. This no. is for people who have seen it and want to hear about every every in and out or have not seen it and still right. want to hear don't about care. it. don't care. Don't care. Just along for the ride. Um, so we have now... We both saw it last night, yes, uh, separately, and we have not yeah. discussed it at all nope, up until nothing. this point. So this is yeah. all all genuine and from the heart. So, <laughs> what did you think of Solo? So, I mean, I have mixed feelings about it, which is sort of what I was anticipating going into it. Uh huh. So there are things about it that I loved and want. Like, Lando, I want a whole movie of Lando. He was great. I could just do a whole movie of him in his closet showing <laughs> capes. Like, and I would be completely happy with that. There was one when Han and Kira were making out in Lando's yeah. closet, which, like, so much love to Kira for playing dress-up in Lando's yes. closet. Like, that's the thing to do. Yeah. But there was, like, one cape in the background that was, like, yellow with, like, a beachy pattern, and I was like, yeah. wow, like, how does that even work? That's really bold. And then he was wearing it at the end. Yeah, yeah. He it was, was a shirt. I was like, yeah, you're not going to check off's cape there. Like, you're yeah. going to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, and there were definite callbacks to the expanded universe in a way that I sort of was expecting from the trailer, like yeah, and and was surprising in some ways. Um, the mall of it all. <laughs> we're gonna have to talk about Darth Maul. I mean, just hearing the word Dathomir in I like, flipped out. I was terribly confused by his appearance and we can talk about why. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of viewers were. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've already seen some articles about like maybe you should spoil this for yourself because it'll be really confusing <laughs> if you don't. Um, but but just yeah hearing Dathomir said in like yeah. an actual film. Like hearing was, so, in a movie somebody say come to Dathomir. Dathomir. Yeah it was like sort of really thrilling. Yeah. <laughs> that I wouldn't expect. Um, but yeah what about what are your initial... Um, I, like, was pretty trepidatious going in. Yeah, like, I, I was one of those yeah. people who, from the very beginning, was like, oh, why are they making a Han Solo movie? I love Han Solo, but make a different movie. Like, right. introduce me to a new character to love, etc. So I was actually really surprised by, like, how swept up in it I was. And how yeah. I really just loved it. I mean, I had yeah. a few quibbles. Like, there are some choices I was disappointed mm-hmm. in. Um, I was really disappointed that they killed off Thandie Newton's character. Yes! I was they very did. upset. I was really disappointed in that. And um, I some at some points I found the music distracting in a yeah. way that I don't usually in Star Wars movies. Yeah, that's something I talk about, I think. Yeah, and there were some points of characterization that I was a little bit eh, eh, on, but overall, like, I really enjoyed. Yeah, I would the say overall, thing. it was fun. Like, it was super fun. I, the beginning, I felt, was very slow, and there was a certain point in the beginning where I was like, uh oh, is this what it's gonna be? And then, like, once they kind of got off Corellia, I, like, it was, it was 
sort of moving at a faster pace. Um, but yeah, I think I think probably some of the same issues and things we liked and didn't like are sort of gonna probably overlap. overlap. On this. Um, so maybe we should start with the expanded universe connection yeah. since that's where we're coming from. Yeah. So I was surprised by how much it seemed like there was in common especially yeah. with like Han's childhood background like right. the mean streets of Corellia obviously Corellia is just like terrible in yeah. the movie and it's not in the books in the books it's just like got a seedy underbelly yeah yeah the, their their interpretation of Corellia I was like sort of taken aback by yeah a little bit. No, it felt very, and especially, it's sort of, a, I was, I guess it makes sense because it's a Star Wars movie and Star Wars did start in the late 70s and early 80s, but like the opening titles uh, yes. aesthetic was like very, like strikingly 80s. Yeah, um, it was. I thought like the, the Mean Streets yeah. of Corellia and the like the Lady Proximon. Yeah, I will say, and I'm coming from, I love Willow so much. It's I, I that movie holds up for me. But the whole opening, I found a lot of references to that movie in maybe not so good a light. <laughs> and one of those things was the sort of opening, like it was a dark time, like that sort of setting the scene. Yeah, and I mean, I, thing. I get that they don't want to do the scroll for whatever reason mm. on the. Sp- the story, but I don't know. I almost feel like those titles, like they, they didn't really give you much. Like everything that right. was there, the characters said it. a couple yeah. minutes later. Yeah. Um, so I like those made me feel a little bit like, oh, I'm not sure about yeah. this. But and also just like the way Corellia was imagined felt kind of like a like 1980s action dystopia. Yes, kind definitely. of thing. Um, yeah, like the lighting of it, and yeah, it has a like total recall kind of yeah yeah that's... feel about it. Um, yeah, the whole opening, I I was not a hundred percent sold. Um, I mean, I guess from the time that Lady Proxima made her entrance, I yeah, was pretty I, much on board. I um, loved Lady Proxima. It <laughs> <laughs> was sort of a recurring conceit throughout the movie of having like. <laughs> a slow reveal of a character that there'd yeah. be like a buildup about somebody and then they'd show them. Right. And yeah, uh, I'm thinking of Lady Proxima and the adorable redhead under the mask. Yeah. Enos Nest. Yeah. Enos that Nest. name I could not. <laughs> I, every name that I didn't write down, I have now completely forgotten. I <laughs> looked at them earlier today and I, Enos Nest, I think they're called Cloud Riders, the like group. Okay, so the leader of the Cloud Riders, yeah. and then Woody Harrelson at the end when he comes back in. Um, yes. And the only one that didn't work for me was that last one, but the yeah. reveal of Lady Proxima got a big reaction from yeah, me. That was really cool. The reveal of the head Cloud Rider got a big reaction from me. Yeah. I felt like they did a really good job in both of those of like subverting expectations. Like, yeah, what perfect. do you think you're going to get, and what do you get in the. <laughs> Thing with the thermal detonator. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, You yeah. just made a click-click sound with your mouth. Yeah, yeah. I loved that. And... Yeah, and uh, Lady Proxima, when I was reading the credits after we saw the movie last night, she's voiced by Linda Hunt, who's, like, this really amazing... She did the voice of... I'm not going to remember the character's name, 
the Incredibles, the like fashion designer. Oh yeah, yeah, Edna um, Mode or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's uh, she's an Oscar winner too. She won uh, for some movie in the eighties, but she's sort of uh, very well known for doing voiceover work. And like, it was clear that they yeah. picked someone who was really good. Who was really good? Yeah, I thought the lady. Pro- I I was very interested in the lady Proxima. Yeah, I would do. I would do a story about her stuff. And yeah, it's a very different Corellia because Corellia is not an alien inhabited run world. No, it, it's not like a shipbuilding world. It's, I mean, a very. Yeah, I think they're interested. Like, I think maybe they do build ships, but not. Yeah, but, but it, not. But they're like not. Um, no, but it's not like the waterfront. Like no, no, no. Yeah, it's 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 a. I think a considered a fairly. I mean, there's an underbelly, but a fairly wealthy. Yeah, like an affluent planet. planet. They're they're yeah, riding they swoops from. and. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah there's a, i mean to go back to sort of expanded universe i mean i think kira is definitely has shades of bria yeah. in I, her sort of storyline yeah i mean there's a there's a interesting kira versus bria read there because obviously they both have um they've both enslaved in some way yeah um, they're both sort of his first love from his childhood that he wants to go back to. Um, I loved Kira though. Yeah, no, and, and right, I hate and I think, Bria. <laughs> right, yeah, there's a difference I think between Kira and Bria in that, like, with Kira, I think you get a very clear sense, even though it's so vague, like. In terms of what's actually happening yeah. to her, or what had happened to her, is very vague, and maybe that's part of why it works. With Bria, we just get like everything laid out on the table, and despite all of this that she's gone through, she still makes these sort of horrible and terrible choices. Um, and I think maybe because Kira is sort of being either manipulated or, or working with the sort of villains of the story, it's a much more compelling. <laughs> arc I think yeah in some I, ways I feel like Kira sees herself much more clearly yes. than Bria sees herself um I mean they both ultimately like betray Han in right. a way but Kira knows that she's doing it yes and Bria doesn't, doesn't really know. know that she's doing it she thinks that like he's gonna roll with yeah. her on right. this um and so, what do you think? What do you, what do you think Kira's story is there? I don't know. And then part of me today was like, did I miss things? Because <laughs> I was like, it's very unclear to me what. And I think there's there's something interesting about this movie that I think we have, and we got it in Rogue One because Rogue One goes to very dark places at times. Yeah. But there's like, I guess it's the Star Wars stories that tend to sort of go to these like darker, deeper places in the Star Wars universe. And that I could, you know, we'll talk, I'm sure about the droid stuff, but like I saw it in that, but also in Kira where like, because it's not clear what has happened to her these past three years, my mind was going to some pretty horrible horrible places that she was, you know, and thinking about expanded universe stuff that while she was sold into slavery, like, you know, and, and, you know, she somehow won over these people you know, with her charisma, but, you know, I, I, I assumed that she was sold in, as, like, a sex slave. Like, that's sort of what my, yeah, that, my mind went to. I mean, that seems to be the implication, the fact that she's has a brand. 
you know. Right, yeah, she's owned by by yeah. someone. And it's 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 surprising to me when, and it was surprising to me in Rogue One, too, that, like, when Star Wars goes to that, even though it's not explicit, really, right? It's sort of just implied. No, but I felt like it was very clear that Kira and Dryden had a sexual relationship. Yes, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Even though I don't know what they... I, right. It, what? The dynamics of everything in... <laughs> we're so... Dryden's world is so big. <laughs> I guess, I mean, since we brought him up, yeah. Dryden is my perfect villain. I yeah, thought Dryden amazing. was amazing. Yeah, he gets, like, bananas in that way that's terrifying. Like, yeah. I think oftentimes we get villains, especially in science fiction or fantasy, that are, like portrayed as unstable like and that sort of is like what makes them scary and it works so well with Dragon's character of like he's so affable and like but but then he can can, like fall apart at any second and like the fact that he's like it's not just that he's like putting on a sort of show for these people, but it's like you can see it within himself of like him actually falling apart. Like, right. like he <laughs> like can't keep it together and that's terrifying. <laughs> like, yeah, that actually like is who he is and that right. he thinks right. he's like a nice guy who's just Right, like he's not switching job. back and forth like And if everybody would like do what everybody they were else. supposed to. Yeah, it's yeah. not an act. It's like it's who he is. <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's really Really quite, yeah. And Paul Bettany is just—I I mean, when he shows up, Paul Bettany he shows is up to play like amazing. Yeah, I thought he was—I thought he was phenomenal. Um, yeah, I don't feel like any expanded universe villain that we've had is dried yeah, in quite, quality. I yeah. mean, I would love to see the huts explored on the big screen I think yeah I was surprised that we didn't get any even easter eggs of I mean we got the idea that like Han's going to Tatooine but there's no huts in this yeah that is like sort of the one piece of restraint as far as connections oh yeah because they were because they were not very restrained yeah like did Jason Solo write this screenplay (laughs) we've got it he might have. <laughs> Get every possible reference to. Yeah, there was um, a couple sitting behind us and the guy, like, audible groans at certain points at the, like, <laughs> line delivery and callback. <laughs> the only one that I really rolled my eyes at was when Lando said, mining colonies are the worst. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good. Yeah, the, like, I guess this isn't a callback, but the... Um, the solo getting his name gave a really big reaction. And that was one of those things that I was like, well, like, it's just his name. Like, why are we doing this? We don't need a story. And it's especially since, like, later on, he talks about what his dad's job was and stuff. So he had a family. So he had a last name. I'm sorry that it didn't work out, apparently. But you can still use that. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. It just seemed very, like... Like, it doesn't drive the story forward at all and, and felt to be very, like, uh, like hitting the nail on the head about, like, well, he's an orphan and he needs a family. and like, like, Yeah, it was a little too precious. Yeah, a little too on the nose. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, maybe we want to talk about Alden Ehrenreich's 
performance performance yeah yeah um i would say that i thought he was very good in the yeah. movie I thought he, he gave was a, He gave a good performance. Yeah. He did not feel like Harrison Ford's Han Solo. No. In the way that Donald Glover felt like, felt like... Billy D. Williams, Lando yeah. Calrissian. Like they seemed like the same character. Character. To an yeah. almost eerie extent. Yeah, there were points where I was like, this is <laughs> this is almost crazy. troubling. Yeah. <laughs> how perfectly <laughs> Donald Glover is embodying yeah. this character. Um, no, he was, he felt like a very different kind of guy. Yeah. But a guy that I came to like. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was super charming. I think he, yeah, I, I mean, I don't have anything terrible to say, but I also don't, he was not the driving force, I think, behind. No, I mean. Like, I mean, what, I mean, he was a driving force in the sense that he was the protagonist, but like, in terms of what made this movie stand out to me, I wouldn't necessarily say that he was in the top. No, three. I mean, he was fine. He was fine. He, he was, was fine. He was fine. He was serviceable. He, was he did even, his job. He was even good. Um, yes. No, I, yeah, yeah. He was, he, he was, was, but yeah. he didn't, he's, he wasn't Han. He wasn't fully Han. But then I guess I was thinking about it today of like maybe in, maybe in movies, we should step away from the idea that there's like one, yeah. one version of the character. You know, it wasn't right. like Laurence Olivier played Hamlet, and we were like, "That's it, no more Hamlet. It's yeah. done." Put a pin Maybe in it. Maybe a few people did. <laughs> Not, <laughs> us, yeah. Not as a society. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I. So like, yeah, why not have more than one? Yeah, and that's fine. Con. I think I think because Donald Glover just, like hit it out of the park in terms of embodying that character. It was, it, it was a little glaring in the sense that, yeah, like, yeah. you know, if, Gl- if Don Glover also had made the choice to be, like, a, a, you know, a different kind of Lando, right? I think maybe you could sort of balance that um, a little bit better. You know, and I, and I get, I mean, you know, I'm sure this guy was under, like, an insane amount of pressure and... How do you do that? Yeah, I, and know. I mean, there's a lot was a lot of talk about it being like a very troubled shoot, and they yes, right, and, replace and the director. If all and, those things are true, well, it's like the replacing stuff. If all the sort of like reshot everything problems behind the camera, you know, affected them, it did not show. No, it, in the performances. No, not at all. I thought it was really good. Uh yeah, I mean. I can't think of a different young actor who I think would have been a better. And I think part of it might be like just the trajectory that they took with the character, like not necessarily his performance, but like where they went with Han as young Han Solo, right? That, that his arc, you know, in a lot of ways, like I don't see a huge transformation for that character from beginning no to end. He doesn't no, and he's also like I I'll I, I could be talked into it, you know, if they make more of these. Right, like we'll yeah. see. But I don't really see how this guy that we have now grows into the Han Solo Han, that we yeah. meet in a new hope. He seems right. I mean, maybe things will happen with Kira or something like that that will change right. him, but he seems like a real 
seems he seems like more of a team player than that. Yeah, um, yeah. He seems I much mean, more like open to per, to sacrifice. You know, I mean, when we meet Han in New Hope, he's totally disinterested in right. rebellion, empire, people getting executed, anything unless he's personally making money and. This Han, you know, gives up tons of money in just, like, the blink of an eye without a thought. Yeah. Because yeah. an adorable redhead asked him to. Not, like, in a sexual way, like, in a child way. Like, yeah, and just, like, please do this. And, like, this and, is yeah. the right thing to do. And he was like, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. No hesitation. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I... Is it referenced at... It isn't, right, referenced at all in the original trilogy that he was an Imperial pilot, right? No. So that is something that also got yeah the ambition to be an imperial the ambition to be an imperial like the the explanation of who he is that he gave is essentially the same as right, from the books where it's like I wanted to be a pilot I got kicked out of the navy for having a mind of my own and right right and like it's all I mean of... a very different dismissal process <laughs> <laughs> but essentially yeah he's he's you know trying to make it and and different reasoning I think because like. In the Han Solo trilogy, he does say that like he wants to be respected, he wants to make money, he wants to have a family. Like that is sort of his goal. And in this one, it's like he wants to be a pilot because he needs to go back and get and get Kira. Kira, yeah, yeah. Um, so different, like a little bit different motivation. Yeah, and obviously a different meeting with a different but related meeting with Chewbacca. Yes, where uh, <laughs> they were super cute. <laughs> they they were great. I the love that they made I, Han speak Wookiee. That was really cute. I the guy who's playing, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce his last name. The guy who's playing Chewbacca now, Yona something, um, very tall Scandinavian man. He just is charmingly embodying that role. He's doing in, great. He's doing such a great job. I just want to shout out to him. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't get it as much as the others who aren't in, like, full costume. But he's just, like, the sweetness and temper and just, like, yeah, that character is also... To me, that is the same character we see Absolutely. I in had, the original trilogy. I had no hesitation with, with Chewbacca and I really liked the dynamics between Han and Chewie yeah, almost they, immediately. Yeah. I liked that there's not a life debt. You know, the life debt yeah, is that's an fine. unnecessary yeah. complication. I like them just being just being biffles, yeah. you know? Yeah, there's no no mala. No, no mala. Everyone yeah, in the trailer thought that there that might be a mala he was cuddling, but he was just giving his love to some old dude that he helped yeah. out. <laughs> not mala, yeah. But the ensla- the Imperial enslavement of the Wookiees. Right, right. That does right. That is a continued, and I guess that is in the prequels as well. Like a big, well, I mean the Wookiees. Of the, Sith. the Wookiees do like fight the yeah, fight back. Yeah, the um, Wookie, the Wookiees like protect the Jedi or something. Revenge of the Sith is real fuzzy. Yeah, <laughs> Yoda has a good relationship with the Wookiees. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does seem that the the list sort of like we see the Wookiees on Kashyyyk and they're helping out the Jedi, so it makes sense that like it would go down for them. Right, that they um, Wookiees versus the Empire seems to be a, a continuing theme throughout yeah. both Legends and the sort of new. Uh, iteration of everything um yeah i 
so, they talked about his sort of him trying to find his tribe, right? That like, yeah, he is still sort of in the search for a family in some sense. Right. Although I wasn't clear there if he was looking for his like specific Mate. people or if he was just right. Like I want to wanting find. to help out Wookies. You know. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, and it, it was it was left. The Kashikian family of Wookiees is enslaved, right, right, as opposed to, like, my specific family of Wookiees. Right, yeah. Oh, Chewie. Yeah, he, he was great. He was, he was wonderful. And they were yeah. having him eat people. Yeah. I thought there was maybe going to be a rancor. I should have totally known it was going to be Chewie. I don't know what... Yeah. <laughs> I am if I am enjoying something the yeah. most gullible viewer or reader that there is like I am not trying to figure out the twists I am not yeah. trying to anticipate anything I am 100% along for the ride I if I am absorbed in the diegesis I will be taken in by anything yeah. if I yeah, don't like it I can pretty much always figure it out I can crack it like a nut but if right. I if, if right. I did it with you I'll be like what on earth could this be who's the beast there's a beast coming yeah that would have been awesome if it was a rancor I mean it would have been it was like that thing they had in the maw was just like oh my god we haven't had a crazy giant monster yet throw yeah. it in gotta do it yes <laughs> get it in there nothing to do with anything yeah nope <laughs> yeah yeah he was great yeah and then, like, an answer to our many, many questions about droid sentience, L3 came storming I mean, that into was the also scene. a thing, and we haven't read the Lando Calrissian Adventures yet, but it does seem to be a theme that runs through his expanded universe story. It's his relationship with droids. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very close relationship with droids. Well, he had... I have he, questions he about this relationship. He had the baby starship. Yeah, the baby starship, yeah, and... and you know, this, his relationship with L3 it was, like, very profound. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that they uploaded L3s yeah. into the Falcon, so, like, L3 is part of the Falcon. Part I was Falcon. like, don't you take that Falcon! That is yeah. L3! <laughs> it needs yeah. to be with Lando! Another yeah, continuing was... theme carrying over from the expanded universe. I'm on Lando's side in this side. Falcon uh, yeah. conflict. I, yeah, I mean, like, he was cheating, but I am... Um, once, yeah. once L3 is in there, like, no, oh, yeah. that is Lando's ship forever. Also, though, it does make... That's a good... That's a connection I like because it makes the scenes in, like, Empire where the Falcon is being temperamental and, like, yeah. plug through yeah. Kao into the Falcon so he can talk to her and figure out what's going on. It's like, he's talking to L3. L3, yeah. Who oh. I love. Yeah, she was unbelievable. <laughs> that actress, I forget her name, Phoebe something. She's, like, a British comedian. I definitely um, felt like I knew her voice. Um, yeah, she, she has some show that people have been telling me to watch that I haven't yet watched that might be on Netflix. Um... But yeah, she was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So L three chart. I mean the the droid and slave uprising on mm -hmm. Kessel. Yeah, it was delightful. It's just that's that's what a love yeah. in Star Wars. Just complete chaos. <laughs> but like this idea, again, no satisfaction, no ending there of like droids is having sentience, droids is enslaved, droids is having rights. Right. You know, like. Yeah, and it's all like, and it's it's almost it almost felt to me like this is too much. Like yeah, like it was a lot down. to deal with, and I mean it just seemed like yeah, your droids like 
as a bug will develop these like personalities and stuff and then you go and get their memory wiped and like reset them and Lando right. just loved L3 so much. Yeah, so she wasn't going to do it. He yeah. wasn't going to do it. But like when she died, was it supposed to be sad or funny? Cuz at first it was sad, but then when he and like when yeah. he was like trying to pick her up and she like fell apart, like that definitely felt like a comedy beat. But yeah. then he was really like he was like too sad to fly the Falcon and I yeah. mean like, mourning. I it's supposed to be sad. It was a complex moment. I also like what was their relationship? That is an excellent question. <laughs> Because there were times where I was like, oh, they're, like, in love. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think that they had a sexual relationship. But, but maybe. Have. Yeah. Maybe L3 indicated that that was an option for them. Right. Right. Yeah. She was very clear that, like, oh, no. Like, this is, it's possible. No, like, we could do that. It's fine. Yeah. 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 I yeah. Mean, I loved when they would sit, they sat down in the pilot and co-pilot seat and saluted to each other. Yeah. Oh, it's my like God. Like, they had the yeah. little, like, friendship handshake or something. Yeah, I, their relationship was adorable. No, they, the new droids have just been hitting it out of the yeah, park. Yeah, because the droid, which I forgot the uh, insignia, but the droid in, in Rogue One was also... Oh, K2SO. K2SO was fantastic. K- like, droids who were, like, a little off. Yeah, but I mean, like, like BB-8 has been great. Right, BB-8's adorable. K- the, like, K2SO's great. Now we have L3... From- yeah, Last Jedi, that, like, evil BB-8 yeah. was great. Like, the, yeah, the droids have been just personality and, and, and like, not annoying. Yeah. No. But, like, <laughs> not I, that R2 was ever annoying. No, but, like, the droids now are just so over it. <laughs> yeah, right. They're done. They're, like, and in and, and every way possible. It's <laughs> just, like, uh-uh. But, like, and stop. maybe that's the period before, like, in terms of, like, the timeline. Maybe, like, droids at that time were just, like, it's... It's just yeah, <laughs> but like I want the them Empire. to stop killing. I want them to stop killing off the droids I love. I mean, I know everyone died in Rogue One, but yeah, it was tough to lose K two S O and losing L three. Yeah, it was. Re- I was. I was sad. I like, was, it was deeply saddened by that, and also yeah. I was angry that they killed off Thandi Newton. I was so when at the end when. The cloud, the main cloud rider girl took her mask off. I thought it was gonna be Tandy Newton. Like I, me too. I was like, oh, like she somehow survived, and then it wasn't. And I was like, so she's just dead. Yeah, like <laughs> for reals, just dead. She's just dead, and I also didn't understand why she blew herself up, like what that yeah. achieved. I mean, I understand yeah. that it prevented the train from continuing to move forward, but. Seemed like you could have gotten a new plan that didn't involve blowing yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I... I'm wondering what the sort of, like, theme of... Or exactly what the theme of the sort of, like, partnership Yeah. Because this whole movie, I think, was a theme of, like, both romantic partnership in some cases. But just, like, having someone... Yeah. There. Um, And so I guess, like, part of her dying so early on is that, like... um, Tobias Beckett. Yeah. Yeah. Normal name. That he like <laughs> just like throw in a normal name every once in a while. Um, that he like doesn't have that person to sort of like anchor. Right. Like even though he's in this group, right? Like it seems like the group is important, but like you need that one right. other sentient. I mean right? it Whether seems it's almost important. like the 
that theme, the theme is about like a partnership failing or right like the loss of a partnership or maybe right. it's, what do you do or maybe it's about just the preciousness of that kind right. of partnership like the, right. how, and that it doesn't last right? how that, rare like, how rare and right. special it really yeah. is because like right. the last thing we get is han and chewie throwing it into hyperdrive right. together right and like han thinks right that kira is that person yeah the movie and it turns out like no it's actually chewbacca like right. she says like go get chewbacca yeah <laughs> don't be crazy <laughs> like that's your person right that's your that's your precious Wookiee. Like, <laughs> stick with him. Yeah, um, I mean, Han and Kira's dynamic through the whole movie was, like, odd to me. Yes. He, I Their whole deal at the beginning, like, I had trouble, like, how old are they? Like, what's their those are relationship? Good I always My first question was, like, how old are they? <laughs> these people but they seemed very young in the like the way they were acting and yeah they have i have to think that they were in like their late teens teens yeah like 17 16 17 yeah because this is supposed to be i think the most of the film takes place 10 years before a new hope and it's, it's three, three years, years after, after the opening scene so if we yeah. put han at like 1920 19. for the bulk right. of the movie right then he's like 16 17 yeah um which I guess makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, like... That seems like a play a 16-year-old would come up with. Yeah. It's just, I think the sort of... And, and that might be the, the um, complaint about it feeling too much like an 80s sort of sci-fi is that you get so much exposition up front and yet the things that you... That at least for me are the more interesting. We don't get any. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do they meet? Like, are, you know, what is, you know, their relationship in more detail? You know, are they... No, clearly they're in a relationship at the beginning. You know, what is that? Like, how did that develop, right? We don't really get any background for them um, as a pair. Yeah, it is sort of, yeah, it's sort of confusing. Like, what is the full dynamic of their relationship? Yeah. Obviously, they're in love. Um, but then, like, here, like, they both seem throughout the whole movie to genuinely love and want to be with each other. Yeah. But they also neither one actually seem that optimistic that it's gonna work out. It'll work out. Like, I don't Yeah. Like I've been thinking about it all day. Yeah. And <laughs> I know that the whole time Kira is basically saying, you know, you know, she's got that, like, sliding doors scenario. Yes. You know, like, if I had made it through with you, it would have been right. different. Would be different. You know, yeah. I'm, and thinking about that life makes me smile, and I wish right. we could it's have had happen. that. And, you right. know, some part of me, or all of me, whatever, I do, in fact, love you forever. But at this point, like, I'm just a compromised person. I'm not a salvageable person. Right. I made my deal with the devil. I'm bought and paid for, and that's just, like, it. Yeah, and yeah. Han, throughout the whole movie is always saying, you know, it's going to work out, we're going to be together, I, you know, I love this woman, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But the way he reacts when he, when she does make the choice to leave right. him is, like, disappointed but not surprised. Yeah, um, and I wonder if, if it actually does, like, what Woody Harrelson's character says to him. Yeah. Like, does actually get, even though Woody Harrelson is, like, you know, you didn't listen to me. 
Right. right. Like maybe it did, or, or just the experience of the entire movie, right? That like Andy Newton's character dies, the army guy dies, the like all of these people that were sort of, or, you know, Lando abandons them at a certain point that like his lesson of the movie is that basically everybody disappears, right? Right. Except Chewie, right? Chewie's the only one who stays. Yeah, he right? and Whether Chewie. They, right, whether they die or they're compromised or they decide that, you know, money is worth more than whatever this is. Yeah, and, and it's, so, it's like a really interesting trait of Hans that he doesn't hold that against people. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, and I'm wondering too, and this is part of my like, both appreciation and frustration with the vagueness of like what her situation is and like we got to talk about Darth Maul yeah but like maybe he understands what's going on better than the audience and has like a clearer a clearer understanding of the choices that she's made and so you know even though he's like disappointed and you know he understands this world better and is not shocked by what Maybe, but I don't feel like he has any understanding of the world that she's a part of. Yeah, like, it seems like a like a little bit of a... It, it seems to all be brand new to yeah, him. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, like, he kills Woody Harrelson I mean, in self-defense. Right. He kills Woody Harrelson, he recognizes that Beckett's going to kill him, and he shoots him, right. but then runs over and holds him and comforts him as he dies. Like, Yeah, that the, was a great moment. Yeah, like the fact that Beckett, you know, betrayed him and kidnapped Chewie and tried yeah. to kill Han, you know, and then that Han killed yeah. him. There's no hard feelings between them in that moment that Beckett says, like, you made the right decision. I was absolutely going to kill you, and, you know, yeah. I wish it but hadn't does... come out that way. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, there's, like, a line that Beckett has at the beginning of the film where they're, like, have like around the sort of fire pit talking about, like, their families or, you know, what they're going to do with the money after they do this uh, one last job, right? And Beckett does, I feel like he does say at some point that, like, you know, the worst thing would be to die alone. Like, you just don't want... Oh, just, that's, the, that's the alien guy. With, oh, it's the alien guy, With a bunch right. of arms. The, yeah, so, like, there is this sort of idea of... Um, you know, that no matter what, like, you know, and like all the, these terrible things happened, but, like, he gave him a lot of opportunities. He taught him a lot of things, right? That Han, I think, appreciates this, right? This Han character sort of appreciates the sort of lessons and the opportunities and... Yeah, and... And sees himself, I think, sees, you know, sees the connection and sees this could be me. Like, this very easily could be me. Yeah, like the... Down the line. Your personal sort of uh, morality and, you know, it's it's a big departure, I feel like, in ethical philosophy for yeah. Star Wars because in most Star Wars, you have people who are good and people who, and are, people bad, who are bad. Yeah. And that's just it. And here, so much of it is, like, you could be a good person who finds themselves having gone down a bad road that you had to choose between survival and your principles and you chose to survive and that's just right that's it right right and that's the sort of i think connecting it to the expanding universe right that's the smuggler way right that that's the sort of the narshada kind of you know these are people who had you know to do terrible things and are trying to make the best 
Yeah. And I mean, like, as far as this, because the stuff with Kira goes is like, it's clear that she has in some way been victimized, that she has been enslaved, that she has been exploited, that she's probably been raped. um, Right. Yeah. But that she also has, has victimized others that to get out of that, that she has, right. She's had to do her pet, that she has perpetrated the same, you know? Yeah. What, whatever horrors she's been culpable in. And she feels very clearly unredeemable. Yeah. Right. And she herself sees herself as, as unre- like, that's a self-awareness of that character, right? That she sees herself as also unredeemable. <laughs> and why she sort of lets Han go. Right. Again. Yeah. Like, she doesn't... She... I think the when she's saying goodbye to him and she tells him that imagining the two of them on adventures throughout the galaxy would make her smile. I feel like it will continue to make her smile. Yes. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's not, she's not lying. Like, I, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't feel like she's lying. I don't feel like she's being manipulative. I don't feel like she's out to double cross him. Right. She's just like, this is, I, this is, you know, I was put in this position and now these are the choices that I have to make and right but it's not but she never makes an attempt to put it off on other people she never says no. like you know that you, you wouldn't be able to you wouldn't be able to look at me that way if you knew like what Dryden had made me do she says you right. know it's what I've done right right um, things that I've done yeah yeah and and she's very you know she's level-headed in that you know that understanding the sort of crossroads of that moment, right, where she doesn't get to go aboard the starship, right? Yeah. That, like, yeah. you know, for her, like, it, it, it's sad, and it makes her happy to think about that. It's sad that that didn't happen, but, like, it didn't happen. And so, like, this is what, you know, she, she seems very resolved in um, an understanding in the choices and the situation she's been put in, in a way that... Um, Makes her a very compelling character. Yeah, like, she has, it seems like she has long since worked through and accepted that she didn't make it. And a lot of the movie is Han also coming to that place. Right. Like, when they first run into each other, and he's, like, telling her how he was going to go back for her. Right. He's telling it as though he still plans to do it. Right, like, I'm gonna right. get money so I can get a ship and go back for you. And she's like, "Well, I'm here." So yeah, yeah. I like the moment when she says, "Like, well, you don't have to." Yeah, but <laughs> like, it's like in his mind, right? That's still a thing. This is still a thing. Like in his mind, she's still unchanged, and right. it seems like she, rather than, it seems like they both want to preserve that in him. Like yeah. he wants to hold on to right. his understanding right. of what they were, and she wants that too. Yeah. Like that's a nice place. To visit, right, like, right, but, yeah, um, yeah, but like ultimately, him, that's not where she lives, and she can't, she can't slip right. back into it. Yeah, and for him, by the end, like he's come to that point, like you said, that like he also doesn't live in that right. anymore. Yeah. You know, it's nice to think about it. It would have been wonderful, but you know, that's not the reality that either of them. Yeah, like they're both they're and they're both. It's sad for both of them, but yes. they both accept it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, it just the, they have such different outlooks on the way the world works. I really liked the line where he said, like he said, we're going to win. And she said, it's not that kind of game. You just play as long as you can, or you right. just stay in as long as you can. And yeah. I mean, those are uh, really different worldviews. Yeah. 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 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. Are we ready sure. to talk about Darth Maul? I am so ready to talk about Darth Maul. <laughs> Shocked. <laughs> so. Mind blown. <laughs> Shocked. <laughs> Darth Maul, this has been like, this is a really fascinating moment for me. Yes. Like. I think it's a fascinating moment for Star Wars in general. It's a hugely fascinating moment for Star Wars because it's like, I think the first time a character has made like a very clear jump back into, like from the, from the, I'm trying to think because I don't want to say expanded universe because it's not like the same expanded universe that we usually hang out in, but Essentially, if you've only ever watched Star Wars movies, if you don't right. read comic books or watch cartoons or right, right. none of that, then, like, as far as you're concerned, he died in The Phantom yeah. Menace. Which is, like, judging by, so I saw this with uh, my sister and her boyfriend, and, like, I, it took me a while, it took me after the credits had ended to be like, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> like, there's definitely, like, Rebels, Clone Wars stuff here that, like, I know, and, and Angus has talked about, like, yeah. he comes back. So, like, back in the back of my mind, I had it. But I have not watched or read any of that. So it didn't, like, jump to me. But they were like, is that his brother? He cannot. Did they sew him? <laughs> like, we came up with the idea that it was his brother, Garth Maul. <laughs> like, we were just, like, going through every scenario. His actual and... brother's name is something bananas. I don't remember what it is, but it's I basically, like... Garth. <laughs> no, it's basically, like, evil McBad guy. Like, I don't remember what it is. And then we had to, like, go through the whole thing. That, like, no, Darth is a title. That's not a name. <laughs> so it, it took and then I finally googled it and was like oh and I read an article about Darth like, Maul's the writers. Darth Maul's brother is named Savage Oppress wow that is his name Darth Maul got it off easy with the name <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I was I was genuinely shocked I could and the audience like you could hear it in the audience be like what question, <laughs> giant question mark just like Hanging in the air. Because um, he was sliced in half. Right. Such so like big... So like you say, Angus, uh, who guested on the podcast, he yeah. watched all the cartoons. Like, he loved, right. so he the, knows. He loved yeah. the Clone Wars cartoons. He watched Star Wars Rebels. I have seen some episodes of Star Wars Rebels by virtue of our sharing a home, but, like, I was never... Yeah. And it's, it's like, it seems good. Like, I don't have anything yeah, against I'm not... Star Wars Rebels, but just for, for some reason... Star Wars for me is live action movies and books. And like, I just haven't gone into the other formats. I watched the original, which I think is different than the show. There was like the Clone Wars miniseries that came out like right around Attack of the Clones. It's different, I think. And I watched those, but Darth Maul, I I do not think. Yeah, so, but I had seen Darth Maul on Rebels. And I knew from Angus talking about it that he, you know, used the dark side to keep himself alive after he was sliced in half, and he got, like, spider legs, robot spider legs, and then later he got... Could you see the robot legs? Yeah. Did not pick up Because <laughs> <laughs> I was reading it out loud in the car at home from the theater, and it was, like, robotic legs, and we're like, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, told, I was kind of looking for them. Yeah, see, I, yeah, no, I was just, like, my, again. <laughs> but, like, so I knew that, 
So I knew he was yeah. out there, but it's actually been like an ongoing point of not heated contention, but an ongoing point of debate between right. Angus and myself as to like whether or not Darth Maul like counts as still being alive. Like my my dad my dad mm-hmm. visited us at one point and he we were talking about Star Wars and my dad said like, well the only really good thing in um that first prequel was that Darth Maul guy, like, did he ever yeah. come back? And I said no, and Angus said yes. And it was sort of this, like, debate of, like, does it count when he just comes back in the cartoon? And for me, I'm, for me, and, like, I maintained, like, no. Like, the cartoon right. stuff, the books, those are all there to be fun for people who like Star Wars if they right. want to do it. But it's not required reading. It's not on the same level of the movies. It's much more flexible. But then they slapped Darth Maul into this movie, clearly. And, like, for that moment to make a lot of sense, you, the cartoons are required reading. Like, it does. Does any sense? So, like, Angus points to him on this one, like, he, to the point that, like, I rushed him to the movie because I was like, you have to see this movie really quickly. I don't want this to get spoiled for you, and you are the person they did this for, like. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, when I saw that, when I finally figured out what that scene was, I was like, oh, this is for Angus. Yeah, like, (laughs) you are the viewer that this moment is for. And I mean, like. Not only does it draw on the Darth Maul storyline of the cartoon that is obviously going to be 100% preserved, um, but, like, they had the actor playing him was the actor who played him in Phantom Menace, but the voice... Yeah, but not the voice. The voice was the voice from the cartoon. Cartoon, yeah. So they really tried to, like, which I was like, that's going to be a huge headache if they put Darth Maul in another movie. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, to sort of parse through this a little bit more like that scene to me and discussing it with others was a setup for more oh 100 percent that either there's a darth maul movie there's a kira movie right and not even necessarily like a solo movie right because that seemed like a completely different thing that didn't have anything to do right like there could be another han solo movie although i wouldn't want him to come up against kira again immediately um, right, but there could also there's been a lot of talk of an Obi Wan movie and yeah, that maybe in yeah. the cartoon Rebels, Darth Maul does ultimately like go back to Tatooine seeking vengeance against Obi Wan. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like that's certainly something that could happen. But I mean, there are it raises questions about all kinds of characters who have only been seen. In the cartoons and in the sort of expanded world that now is like, are they going to come over? Has been this sort of ongoing question. And and because I have not read or watched any of that area of the expanded universe, um, like to me, it, it was just like a whoa moment. Like it didn't have, like I didn't have any sort of like emotional sort of connection to it. Right. Which I think is probably what most viewers, if not, like, 80% of Yeah, I mean, like, tons and tons and tons of people are going to go see Solo. Right. And some people watch Star Wars Rebels. Like, right. So, like, you know, I guess that's who that's for. But, like, how does that... But that is that... on such a different level than having someone say, like, why don't we get Bosk? Like, that's... You know, right? Or like, or there was a call to Or Singh, who's 
uh, bounty hunter that you see in Phantom Menace that I was like, oh, that's like a really yeah. like, prequely, very prequely callback to Aura Singh. Yeah, like, they say it's that, like, like we're not, it's like we're, we're going to find a way to not be sad about the prequels anymore. Like we're going to. Right, right, which is fine. Like, and I'm sort of fine with that, yeah. but like sort of picking and choosing these sort of little, like, because Aura Singh, when you saw her, was like an amazing looking character. She's unbelievable. Like that makes sense. And Darth Maul makes sense to bring him back, except that he got sliced in half. <laughs> So when like you without, kill, when you kill Jedi, yeah. you have to slice top to bottom. You have to like fifty pieces <laughs> separate them. They're like the vampires of Twilight. You have to just like rip them apart and set them on fire. But to me, it's and I am someone who's a huge Star Wars fan. Oh no question. Right? Like I haven't watched Rebels, but but my knowledge, I have. There's a lot of space in my head that's being taken up by, like, useless Star Wars information. And even that didn't make sense to me. So I'm just wondering, like, what is the purpose? Unless there is a Darth Maul movie. No, it has to be a setup for more movies that exist in this space. Um, But Darth Maul is, like, the head of a criminal empire. Um, The Crimson Tide. (laughs) The Crimson Crimson Dawn? Dawn, and that's right. I'm really like, glad you. I'm really glad you said Crimson because that got me to Crimson Dawn. And up until you said something, I was just avoiding talking because my brain was like Red Circle, and I was like, No, it's yeah. not the Red Circle. Red and my brain was like, but Red Circle. Close. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's sort of like crime. I mean, it seems like it. a very clear, and maybe it's not on purpose, but it seems like oh, it's like Black Sun. Yeah. Like they have Crimson right. Dawn instead yeah. of Black Sun, but it's the same right. kind of like evil kind of thing. organization. Yeah. yeah. And which I, you know, that would make a very interesting like Star Wars story movie about sort of the crime. Yeah. I would love to see more Kira. I would tolerate more Darth Maul. Like I don't really care about him one way or another, but. Yeah, it's fine. But yeah. if we go to yeah. Dathomir in a movie, I'm going to lose my mind. So. Him just saying Dathomir was like. Ready to stand up, <laughs> talk to the audience, and be like, "Do we all know what Dathomir means?" I feel like I could have. Like my audience was very responsive to the movie. <laughs> like, yeah, your audience. I think my audience. I'm not so sure <laughs> would have been on my side. But, um, there was when I went. There was a, a man just a hundred percent dressed as Han Solo. Like he Aww. was just wearing like the blue pants, the long sleeve white shirt, the black vest, and like he had his hair kind of like swooped over to the side. He is just like a hundred percent dressed as Han, Han Solo. Solo. And yeah, the vibe in mine was like very uh, like date night. Like there weren't a lot of kids. Like it was a very there like, were some kids, and they would like run back and forth. I guess going to the bathroom or something. Yeah. And when the lights first went down. People started doing like Wookiee calls back and forth, oh, the <laughs> and there were like a few moments in the movie where the audience like clapped, like when Chewie first sat down in the pilot yeah, seat. Everybody there was a clapped, and yeah, I liked how they like... got Chewie into the pilot seat. Um, yeah, oh yeah, when... he's like, actually, I'm really good. Yeah, Kira was like, you sit down, like I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, the Darth Maul of it all. I mean, I, I, I could see why that would be a frustrating moment to viewers. I mean, I guess, but then I also think, like, viewers should not be so spoiled. Just be surprised and, you know, look forward to the next movie. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah, that's... 
again, it's it's that um, to me that balance of like over exposition and under exposition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like where do we land? You're gonna explain and we get, everything like, about paragraphs. One part. <laughs> yeah, paragraphs at the beginning of this movie, and yet like we're not gonna say one word about it. <laughs> we're all just gonna act like that's normal. <laughs> um, oh, oh, what? How did you feel about the dice? as an ongoing oh, motif. I, fine. That was one of those things that I I remember reading about when Last Jedi came out because the dice sort of become the symbol that for me was never a thing. Yeah. A thing. And like it, you know, I I emotionally it resonates with me because like clearly Leia like had an emotional connection to those dice. So like in Last Jedi, right? right. That, like, she sees those dice and she knows what that means. And I, I can, as a viewer and a fan, sort of be like, okay, Leia had a personal, you know, for her, that was like a visual cue that meant something to her. I didn't need, like, a line of dialogue explaining yeah. that. So, like, even though the dice, to me, doesn't necessarily, like, symbolize Han, if it symbolizes it for Leia, like, that's like that works for me in Last Jedi. For this, like... And I guess maybe it's just like now we're moving so beyond the original trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Because to me, that's like, oh, that's just a callback to Jedi. It's the last Jedi. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. The, the, the dice only worked for me in connection to last right. Jedi. Like if it, Jedi. Had... it doesn't work for me in connection to a new hope. No, like... I mean, they're just like a joke thing in a few se- They're not even in all of a new hope, are they? No. It's just like, I honestly, someone's just like put dice up once for fun on yeah. the set. <laughs> Until Last Jedi came out, I never thought about those dice. No, me either. They... For a second. No, <laughs> God no. Yeah, so I think it does work in relation to Last Jedi. Yeah, I was kind of annoyed by it at first. I felt like it was too much, but then I thought about how the dice were used. And it's that's another interesting thing, is to consider the ways in which these are like building... Right, on top of each building other. building on yeah, top of each other, really... sort of, like, slotting together, and, like, how neatly do they fit together at right. various at various yeah. moments. Um, I did, this is something that came up as we were talking about the movie after it ended, that this is maybe the first, or I think it is the first Star Wars movie, like, released in theaters, that does not talk about the Force at all. Yeah, that's really interesting. There's no Force in this film, which I thought was interesting. And, um, I mean, I didn't even think about it until after we were sort of talking about someone had said, right. you know, there's no force here. Um, you know, because Star Wars is so wrapped up in that. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's mythology. why Darth Maul had to turn on his lightsaber in that phone call, which is yeah, just he's like, remember. remember, these guys are still here. I'm not going to say the words, but just look at it. Yeah, remember so this? So they went and found his lightsaber? <laughs> he loved that lightsaber so much. I, I mean, I feel like Angus is might. We might have to do a special episode where he comes on and, like, tells me what, <laughs> what happened. Because I am. I have a lot of questions. He got cut in half, and he ended up. And they just, like, took his top half and was like, it's still working. <laughs> he, like, ended up in, like, a garbage truck or something. I don't know. And he, like. Use the, he like used the dark side of the force to keep himself going, to keep himself alive, and then his like brother came and found him and helped him with the he oh he like ate rats to stay alive. He like but he, he okay. like, ate rats and used the dark side, <laughs> and he went. He ate rats. 
But he didn't have a bottom half of his body. Yeah, they just were falling out the bottom. And he, he used the dark side for that. It was fine. And <laughs> he figured out bathroom etiquette <laughs> with only half a he body. He got, like, spider legs. And his brother took him back to Dathomir. And, like, the, they got better legs eventually. And <laughs> legs. He came around. He had really good insurance. When he called the insurance company, it was like, I'm so sorry. I got cut in half. They're like, oh, we, like... We can cover that. No, like, you don't even need a referral from your primary <laughs> care physician. You can go straight to our facility on Dathomir to get a process. Yeah, we'll, like, we'll fix you up. It's fine. <laughs> this happens all the time. <laughs> you're in the... Yeah, no, you're a Sith Lord. Like, that's going to happen if you're a Sith Lord. Right, yeah. Like, we have a contingency plan. And, you know, <laughs> that's why you, you have insurance. You bathroom thing. You're five steps ahead of everyone else who gets cut. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, he ends up being like a major, major character in the Clone Wars cartoon. Like, he tries to turn somebody's apprentice to the dark side, and hmm. I mean, he's around a lot. Yeah. yeah. Also, his brother is named Savage Opress. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, great name. <laughs> like, that's a name. It's a name. <laughs> I hope Savage Opress is in the next movie. Yeah. I wanted to have to, like, introduce himself, like... <laughs> I'm Chris. Like, do people react to that? Or are they just like, oh, yeah, of course, that's a I name. Don't know. Names in Star Wars are like, either it's Tobias Beckett <laughs> or it's Savage Press. <laughs> There's everywhere in between. Yep. Yeah, so the, the choral music was not working for me. Yeah, and then I... So, I, I need to do more research and by research I just mean like google this um but when I looked at the credits so John Williams was credited as like you know the traditional Star Wars music and then some guy who I had never heard of before was credited for the score yeah and I thought Michael Giacchino had taken up the Star Wars theme I think that he's going he's definitely going to be doing like the I think I think the main, the main ones? ones, but I don't know if he's doing the story ones. I thought yeah. the uses of the John Williams music yeah, were really good. Like, they fine, would give you, like, yeah. a little hint of it, or they would, you know, like, those worked. But the original score stuff was, at some points, a little overpowering. Yeah, which is hard. It's a tough awesome. line to walk. It's a tough line to walk, but I, like, I love, like, I so love the scores for... Force Awakens and Last Jedi. I can't really remember Rogue One, but I don't remember having like a negative reaction. I, didn't, I was never distracted by it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, there were definitely moments where I was like, oh, this is, they're laying it on a little. <laughs> a little thick. A little, a little thick. I will say the costumes, like not Lando beyond, but like just in general. Yeah. Like the jackets, the capes, I like, wanted every piece of costume. Amelia Clark looked amazing. She the outfit that she wears when they go to the uh spice mines, like it's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> she looked so She looked great in every scene. I mean Yeah, she just on the, the black dress that she's beautiful. wearing when they Yeah first run into each yeah, she other. Had a very um back to the sort of 80s sci-fi, but very Rachel from Blade Runner look, that sort of like 1940s bangs with the sort of like the same cut outfits. Like she, she just looked incredible. Um, 
But yeah, even like Thandie Newton's like jackets that she had on. Yeah. The sort of like, like every, and even um, her hair huh. too. I loved her. Yeah, the, just the aesthetic of this, of the sort of costumes and what people were wearing, I felt was just. I wanted everything. It, it looked <laughs> the men's jackets, the women's jackets. Like, everyone's jackets looked. I want everyone's jacket. I love a good, I love a good movie jacket. Movie jackets. <laughs> I mean, because characters never have to carry anything. There's never an annoying like messenger bag or a backpack yeah, missing with the they look. Just look. They just look awesome. There's a jacket from. This is a side, a tangent, but there's a jacket in the remake of Three Ten to Yuma. Ben Foster wears a jacket that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I, if I ever have money to just throw away, I'm going to buy a replica of that jacket. Like take three Tinder Yuma to a tailor and be like, be like, can you please make this jacket? I've seen it online. I've done research. They, people will make it. But that's how I sort of, I, I felt about some of these jackets. There were like, some oh. amazing jackets. There was some good jacket work. Yeah. In this movie. Cool. One thing that was really jumping out to me, and I don't know, I think it's because... I have the most, like, comically uh, delicate constitution when it comes to motion sickness. Like, I just get nauseous so easily. Like, it's getting to the point, and I think it's half me and half the way movies are made, where I can barely watch action scenes in movies anymore. Like, all of the camera swooping around and all of... There's something about it. Like, I was getting kind of nauseous at some points during the movie, and which is fine. I know I'm in the minority there, but like it was making me think of the way, like our expectations for what we see in a space battle going to the movies now versus what was a space battle in a new hope in a new hope. It's just like the actors on the set being like, look at that. And then you just see like two ships go like, (laughs) and then it's like, they're gaining on it. It's like all just like acting in the cockpit. And now it's, so many effects. Have, and this might also be me in the minority and also like, I don't get motion sickness, but but we've talked about like in action scenes, like I have no patience yeah. <laughs> for overwrought action scenes of any kind, space or not. But um, the scene where they're going through the maelstrom yeah, yeah. in the Kessel Run mm-hmm. with the monster and the storm and the ship I didn't know where, what was up or down, heads or tails. Like, I, I was like, that could be the ship or the monster. It could be both. I, like, I had trouble following the camera. Yeah, I was like, and, can like, we just, meeting, like, make this jump to light speed so we can get to the next part of the movie? Like, Where are the adorable children that they're rescuing? <laughs> the castle run. I was like, yeah, it was, yeah, that was just, it was a lot of, a lot of flashing and cutting and not knowing where yeah i'm hoping that if we get a lando movie that it's a movie in which we get to see han and lando's friendship build a little bit because they're very like antagonistic in this movie not like they hate each other antagonistic yeah but they're a little but they're at odds a lot and i mean lando is a dream just a yeah just a perfect dream but i yeah. would like to see the same kind of like han and lando friendship in a movie that we got to see in the ac crispin novels and i guess in return of the jedi like i want to see yeah. them having the kind of friendship that makes you understand why han trusts lando when they're so vulnerable yeah. in empire i mean i think 
and we've talked about this before about like what these story movies could be and like playing around with genre and rogue one did it to some extent very successfully with the sort of like this is a war movie this is a battle but it's still sort of like we're jumping from planet to planet we're you know space battles i would love like a bottle episode star wars film (laughs) where we're just like stuck on a planet these are the characters you know maybe it's a few characters that we're somewhat familiar with but characters we don't know like rogue one right like mostly characters we have we have no relationship to um play around with the genre like we've talked about it would be great to have like a star wars horror film a star wars like true comedy like yeah i just i would love to see a star wars and i'm trying to think of like from what we saw in here i would love to see like a star wars horror movie that prominently features you know it can probably feature darth maul like that could be a good way to expand this um red circle thing right and uh i would love to see i would love for lando's movie to be like because this was a heist movie i'd love to see uh, like a con movie, like a yeah. like a Sting, like a Ocean's Eleven, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels yeah. kind of yeah. layers of deception con movie for Lando. Yeah, um, yeah make it fun and make it you know that like funny, like that sort of lighthearted. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I I think changing the tones of of these films does wonders because the scenes in this movie that really like played with the genre, I think are the scenes that stood out. Yeah. And and Dryden is so tonally different than other star Wars films because his thing is not being evil. He's just like everyone's buddy. Yeah. I loved so much the moment when they were like pinning each other down and Dryden was, like, calling out to him, like, Han, this seems like a great time to reevaluate our working relationship. And he's, like, cracking up and, like... Yeah, he's just, like, yeah. Knows how ridiculous this all is. Good job. Yeah, he's... Yeah, he was so great and so, like, such a wild card. And And a character that, when he came on screen, like... I was like, I don't know what to expect. Yeah, like there was a in lot a way that of I don't often like get tension, but like and so often when someone's playing like crazy, they're just right. like frenetic or they're just off right. the wall or like nothing yeah, makes no, sense. But, but so, like with like, dry, like you can almost like you can follow the train of thought. Like you can right. like Paul Bettany's giving it to you. You know, like yeah. you can see on his face the like emotions or thoughts or whatever that's motivating him and sure he's coming from a position of like narcissism or borderline delusion or whatever it is that's making it wrong and weird but like it it feels real like you i buy it yeah yeah he was great yeah so i feel like we've pretty much covered it yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else i'm sure there will be yeah what about those other wookies on castle do they have a ride off the castle yeah i don't know they just gonna run castle now Castle was an interesting scene. <laughs> it was a strange. I wanted more information about Castle. There were various things that I was like, this this raises questions for me. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of question raising, which is good. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's absolutely. Just, I want answers. But but yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think. You know, I I've heard. From other people this sort of, like, fear of, well, they're making so many Star Wars movies now, right? That, like, there's so many coming down the line. 
that like eventually one of them is going to fail, right? That like we just have to like brace ourselves to the fact that like one of them is going to be bad. And so far, no, I that mean, hasn't happened. No, it, it <laughs> seems to be very much like what Disney is doing with its other major recently acquired property, Marvel, right? Of just making right. tons of these movies. And they seem to basically run the gamut from fine to great. Great. Yeah. Um, right. And they all do well financially. And some of them are fine and some of them are great. But great. like. Right. Right, and I'm hoping that. But I would like for Star Wars, and I think that this, what you're saying about playing with genre is the way to do it, to avoid falling into that Marvel trap of feeling repetitive. Right, right? feeling right. like, because I get, and I, I may, I will probably be like, big uh, superhero fans are for Marvel movies, I will probably not burn out on Star Wars. Like, I, But I like, there's the Marvel movies right. I don't go see. You know, like I still haven't right. seen Doctor Strange. I didn't see Ant-Man in theaters. I probably won't see Ant-Man in the Wasp in theaters. I didn't go see Infinity War in theaters. And yeah. I'm just like a little tired, you know? Right. right. And yeah, and I, and I think we both have a very different relationship with those films than we do with Star Wars. But like those films, you know, like um, Taika Waititi directing Thor Ragnarok. It's a huge, right? oh my God, I would love for Taika Waititi to direct a Star Wars movie. I think maybe, is he? I feel like they're lining up like directions like crazy. If, the only thing is that there could, I could, I could see a Taika Waititi, Kathleen Kennedy kind of like yeah. Oh, yeah. problem. Because like yeah, he's got, the unique directorial stamp does not seem to go super well with Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, with Star Wars. But maybe like if they really like worked it out, you know, they really sat down and came yeah. together and, you know, they did like a Star Wars story and... You know, like, let him have whole new characters. Let right, Taika Waititi just, yeah. just do a little, like, a bottle Star Wars set yeah, completely on one Star planet Wars. that we've never heard of before. Yeah, like that, you know, that's, like, very tangentially related to what's going on. Like, that, and, you know, Rogue One, um, we kept calling it Rouge One last night. So <laughs> <laughs> Rouge One. Rogue One, like, was bordering, like, you could see shades of, of them going in that direction, yeah. right? Where you know, all of those characters die. Like, this is, even though it's very much connected to the greater Star Wars universe, it it, it was teetering towards that bottle feeling, right, where this is just, like, set in the Star Wars universe but has really nothing to do with what's going on in the wider right, right. world of Star Wars. And, and I think that's the way... Yeah, I... I think I would I, love to see it. Like, I, I just... I think with a really creative director who loves these movies but is also willing to sort of push the boundaries i think it could be really great i would love to see that but i guess in the meantime i give solo a, a big old thumbs up like yeah, yeah. I loved, it was super it fun it was a fun ride and it wasn't emotionally grueling the way the last couple of star wars movies like solo is definitely once it's out once we have it the kind of movie that i'll like just pop in to have on and yeah it was enjoy. yeah a lightness you know there were some sort of dark undertones but overall I think it, there was you know it was it was a fun ride sort of, it was yeah it was a ride I would say yeah like it, it, it was it was a really fun journey um, it was interesting to see what they do I think Ron Howard did fine you know yeah. like for all the and we only the, got Paul Bettany as Dryden because of Ron Howard yeah, and because of Ron Howard. <laughs> I loved him so much oh I will say I loved so apparently, and I, I Googled this yesterday too, that Warwick Davis cameo, he's playing the character that he played in Phantom Menace. But um, I think his name is like Weasel, maybe. But I just, I love seeing Warwick Davis, like 
not in an alien costume. Like, yeah, just, just yeah, being Warwick like, Davis. Like, seeing him being Warwick Davis and, and getting, and because of his relationship with Ron Howard during Willow, like, that really made my heart. <laughs> like, I felt really good about that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I think Ron Howard jumping in, you know, was definitely not the devastating. No, I think I think he the internet thought it could. Be. I think he acquitted himself very ably. Yeah, yeah, he he did fine. So yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, yeah. I feel like this movie, within the context of itself, runs the gamut from fine to great. You know, yeah. I think that Jesus, overall, yeah, it averages out to a good movie. Yeah, that it has. Yeah, I'd say solid BB plus. Yeah, it has some really, it has some really standout moments. It has a few little like moments of clunkiness, but yeah, but it gets the job done. Yeah. yeah, it's like a summer. Like to me, it felt like oh, this is a summer movie. Like this is the kind of summer movie that I yeah love to go see. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, it was really fun. All right, so next week we are. Back to the Young Jedi Knights with Jedi Bounty. <laughs> Jedi Bounty. There's only two more left. <laughs> we'll I think we do a good job. We're going to do our best. <laughs> do our best to break it down. Um, but then we'll get back into some more interesting expanded universe and take a huge break from... The Young Jedi Knights. Young Jedi Knights. So yeah. let us know. Talk back to us. Let us know yeah. what you thought of the movie. and uh, We, we want to hear we it. We want to hear. We want to know. <laughs> Disagree politely. Or agree. Yeah. <laughs> or agree politely. Use, Whatever you do. Use good manners in all of your choices. <laughs> We're happy to engage. Yep. And uh, we'll be back back soon. Yeah, see you next Alrighty, bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you would like more information, please check out our website, adolescenceafteralderon.wordpress.com, for show notes and info about upcoming episodes. We're also on Twitter, after underscore Alderon. We're on Instagram, adolescenceafteralderon. And if you would like to touch base with us, ask questions, participate in the conversation, you can email us at adolescenceafteralderon at gmail.com. Thanks so much.